Welcome to New Narrative Southeast Asia Dispatches. I'm your host, Bonibel Ramatan, Editorial Manager for New Narrative. New Narrative is a movement to democratize democracy in Southeast Asia, and this podcast is one of the ways we attempt to do just that. Earlier this month, the Indonesian House of Representatives, or DPRRI, and the government continued the legislative process of the health bill. The legislative body of the House of Representatives has sent the first draft of the health bill to Commission 9 of the House of Representatives, demonstrating the government's commitment to passing this legislation right away. The rapidity with which the government and the House of Representatives drafted the health bill has drawn criticism, as has the public's lack of access to information. The public was not adequately involved in the bill's drafting, and as a result, cannot participate in any meaningful way. The draft of the health bill still contains a number of problematic items that lack input from affected communities, one of which, the issues of reproductive health and abortion, we'll talk about in more detail in this episode. Our interest here, as an organization concerned with democracy, is twofold. First, collective action to mainstream support and monitor the bill before it is passed is a highly crucial act of democratic participation. But second, and more philosophically, democracy rests on self-determination, and that includes, as the saying goes, my body, my choice. After all, how can we determine the fate of our nation if we can't even determine the fate of our bodies? Hi everyone, I'm Dia Saminarsi, founder and CEO of CISDI, Center for Indonesia Strategic Development Initiatives. That is Dia Satyani Saminarsi, founder and CEO of Center for Indonesia Strategic Development Initiatives, or CISDI. Dia is a psychologist by training. Her professional journey has gone across consulting companies, national ministry and public institutions, and now multilateral organizations. I'm Ignacia, I'm the Policy and Advocacy Officer from IPAS Indonesia. That is Ignacia Alpha Gloria. Currently, she's starting her journey in Yayasan IPAS, which stands for Inisiatif Perubahan Akses Menuju Sehat as Policy and Advocacy Officer. She believes every woman needs to be able to determine their own sexuality and reproductive rights. We'll be talking about the updates on Indonesia health bill progress and its problems, reproductive health issues and the health bill, and why this health bill needs to be monitored together. Of course, this issue can be quite sensitive, and there will be mentions of sexual violence and rape, so consider this your trigger warning. Thank you so much. Um, I guess the background of us having this discussion is this, um, you know, this this recent updates on the Indonesia Health Bill, uh, the progress here. Maybe we can talk a bit more about that. So, um, for starters, like, when did the discussion begin? How, who initiated it? What's the process like? Uh, um, so the uh, process, I think, began um, sometime early 2022. None of us are clear, actually, what. Um, when the the process uh, actually began, uh, as we all know, the uh, early discussion or early onset of the health uh, this draft law um, that's going to be uh, discussed here is not uh, quite transparent um, um, until um, late in the process. So we, I don't think um, it's it's um, we know for sure. When is the exact date, exact month um, that that's dis- uh, being discussed? That that discussion was kicked off. We know that um, it began sometime in the in 2022, 
Um, and um, late in the process, um, I think a, a couple of months ago, uh, only a couple of months ago, that um, civil societies and, and other development actors were invited to um, collaborate or to uh, give inputs through a consultation process being um, hosted by the Ministry of Health. Before that, there were several drafts that uh, were not, um, they say it was not the actual draft. So again, that was not very clear uh, up until a couple of months ago, right before uh, the consultation process began, uh, that there was the, a draft uh, being circulated um, to civil society and development actors. And then that draft was the basis of the consultation process, which began, I think, sometime in early March. Uh, and um, right now, um, the discussion have then moved forward to uh, several issues and um, that, that are still conscientious um, in, in its substance uh, and that needs more inputs from um, multiple stakeholders still for, for discussion. Um, can you tell us more uh, specifically, like which parts of that are mostly of concern? Well, we know from... Um, what uh, is available in the media in the, the past week, um, there was a uh, um, protest from uh, health workforce, from the medical uh, and um, the overall uh, human resource for health. Uh, that issue is still uh, very much um, not, not clear yet. Uh, what is the proposed um, um what is the proposed solution, how we are going to mitigate, how that, that draft law can answer um, the, um, the concerns of the health professionals. Um, several issues are still, um, still very um, open. Um, from CISD's side, uh, we input on uh, mostly our areas of expertise, which is uh, health system primarily uh, at primary healthcare level. Uh, we also input uh, for tobacco control, um, the topic that we are going to discuss here, um, sexual and reproductive uh, health, um, and, and other um, non-clinical um, practice oriented but still very much um, concerned about uh, what will happen uh, in the overall draft uh, law itself, because the draft law, as you know, is large in scale and in size. Um, and there are still issues within it, which I think we are going to discuss one uh, today is about the reproductive health and gender issues. Um, it's one among issues that are still uh, need to be ironed out. Um, so the details uh, in this draft law is still very much not solved and um, mostly on health system, health service delivery, the underlying factor of gender and reproductive health, health promotion, uh, in this case, um, tobacco control um, and, and um, other um, advocacy issues that are uh, being uh, hosted by this um, uh, draft law. Uh, yeah, thank you, uh, Maria. Uh, Maigna, you've worked uh, for quite a while in, you know, in terms of like how how women should be able to determine, you know, my, my body, my choice, essentially, right? Determine their own uh, sexuality and they have full control of reproductive rights. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on this, on this, on the health bill? Okay, um, so actually, 
for me the health bill is a good initiative and showing good intention of the government's um, commitment to transforming the health system and also how they put uh, the six building block from the WHO um, into the transforming our health system. I think it's a good initiative. Although there are still a number of things that need to be uh, strengthened, such as ensuring the principles of patient-centered care, uh, non-judgmental service, and also the drafting of the bill itself is quite different uh, compared to many other laws. Uh, it's quite open to public. Uh, even the Ministry of Health opened a public uh, discussion for approximately two weeks, if I remember it well, uh, on March, uh, to accommodate um, the input from the community. So, and also the legislative uh, stated that they are still open for hearings. Uh, so we also sent the list of issue to the MOH and we saw the change uh, to the article based on this input. Although we are aware, of course, uh, this was not only due to our input, but there are also many other CSO like CISD or SAWG who sent a similar input. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, this bill has not been popular a popular discussion uh, in the society, like during discussion about uh, the penal code bill or omnibus law on job creation. Uh, so I think like for now, mostly the discourse regarding this bill is still dominated by the perspective of the health workers. I see. Um, do, you, do you foresee any, you know, any risk about that? Like, um, what are the, uh, what are the current, um, what are the current major areas of improvement that you hope for in, in the current draft of the health bill? Okay, so uh, of course uh, we were hope that um, the bill itself will be harmonized with the other um, with the other existing law. For instance, um, the abortion articles need to be in line with the articles about abortion in the penal code. Um, and also uh, we need to harmonize it with the uh, with the law regarding the sexual violence. Um, so I think um, regarding um, as an overall for the reproductive health itself, um, we need to ensure uh, that this uh, that this bill, it need to be included the several principle regarding the service, which is uh, the patient center and also the comprehensive. Um, I think by accommodating and put these two principles towards the bill, uh, it will ensure that there will be a better service for the health in general and the sexual and reproductive health in special is in, in special uh, for instance the patient center consisting of three components which are the quality the access and the option um, for the quality itself uh, it needs to ensure like providing healthcare that is free of discrimination non-judgmental and utilize the appropriate technology for the access it needs to ensuring easy affordable and also legal access and for the option, um, it should provide various choice of methods or types of treatment um, and the widest possible information so that the patient can choose according their needs. And also, uh, it should be comprehensive, which provide complete and correct 
information, education, counseling, and also providing health service according uh, to the patient needs. So uh, we believe uh, in IPAS Indonesia that if this principle is used as a perspective in building and running the health system, then uh, in the practice, uh, the health service could be accessed fairly and equally by all groups, including uh, groups of diverse gender and sexuality and other vulnerable groups. And also to uh, answer specifically your question regarding what is the articles that we need uh, to uh, oversee regarding the reproductive and sexual health uh, in our um, in our list of issue that we are submitted to the Ministry of Health and also the legislative, we highlighted the articles regarding the reproductive health, um, family planning, abortion, uh, and also um, oh. Well, I think that's three of the main uh, issue that we are highlighting and also uh, add another article that we need it to be put it uh, inside of the uh, health bill itself, uh, which is um, uh, harmonizing the principle um, regarding the violence of towards women and children into this uh, health law. Why? Because when it puts into the health law, uh, it's become the protection law that ensure uh, that the service for uh, that the service regarding the file uh, regarding the violence against women and children will be there and the health providers have the responsibility to provide this, that service towards the women and girls and whoever who needs it. Most of the time, the service providers are uh, reluctant to give uh, that kind of services. For instance, the emergency contraception for the victim of sexual violence. Yeah, I do agree. I mean, that's a very crucial aspect of, of like, you know, uh, if we're talking about the relations of like healthcare and gender and all of that there's still um a lot of discrimination which we'll 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 go back to that but like uh but yeah do you have any additions uh additions to this yeah i think um we should also underline that this um draft law has not um tackled the issue of um abortion um that is one of the issue within the sexual and reproductive health that CISDI um, submitted uh, to be underlined and to be addressed uh, in this draft law. Um, the the um, um, part about uh, abortion um, regulation, um, how it is forbidden to do an abortion uh, based on um, uh, religious norms and, um, and then um, I think the fundamental thinking must be shifted uh, in this case that since this is a draft law for health, that the perspective, the lens to view it must be viewed from health and medical perspective instead of uh, uh, religious norms. And and then, of course, consequently, in the, um, the, the person who perform this abortion um, also have to be consequences as um, take the consequences um, as the uh, perpetrator as a criminal um, while not uh, thinking about uh, or looking at it from a health perspective um, and as as well of course the overall um, gender perspective 
uh, is still uh, missing. Please denote that the overall gender perspective is missing in, in this. Um, I think gender and, and sexuality is being confused. Um, um, it's not um, gender is being seen as uh, sexuality, is it men, women, or other uh, population groups not being addressed as a um, inequality, inequity, um, social construct or social norm, vulnerable populations. I think the consequences and the intricacies of um, the missing perspective and missing element of that thinking in this draft law uh, is crucial uh, and, and notably missing. Why? Because we are designing a draft law not just for today. We are designing a draft law for a long time in the future. As we, if we note uh, our draft bill today, the draft law today um, is already 36 years old. So let's say this current uh, draft that we, the, the uh, parliament and government are designing and we are inputting on, will also extend for the next 20, 30 years. So we have to think ahead of what our uh, society will will look like uh, in, in, the, in the coming 20 to 30 years. What will be the health consequences, the medical consequences, the public health impact? I think that type of um, fundamental thinking is notably missing from this current draft law and thereby consequently also missing the detail element which um, Mbak Ikna just laid out uh, earlier. Um, the the um, abortion uh, issue is just one of them. If we look at each issue and then go deeper into the detail in each issue, um, we will find um, many details are still missing. Uh, and uh, I think if we want a health um, a public health development, uh, medical uh, innovation uh, in Indonesia to happen in the next 10, 20 or 30 years, then the basis will have to be this law. And we cannot have um, an, an, in, um, an inclusive and di diverse um, law if this element on sexual and reproductive health and gender are not being addressed properly at this uh, point in time, and we are using our current um, dogmatic thinking um, in and missing out on the on the um, impact of health and Im impact or consequences in medical and clinical service delivery um, when we are um, we are only thinking about it from the social norm and the religious norm, not from what is good for public health, what will be safe for patients um, because we cannot say, oh, you cannot do an abortion, for example. There are medical conditions which will require uh, abortion. There will be social and economic uh, consequences. There are right now um, uh, situations where many situations where, um, especially in the current situation after the pandemic, where people are out of jobs, um, they have social and economic pressure pushing them into vulnerable group, social and economic vulnerable population, which then sadly push them to make decisions about um, their social reproductive rights, whether they are a married couple or whether not a married couple. So I think that type of um, um, 
diversity uh, in thinking and, and including everyone must be seen from a public health angle, not from mainly uh, religious or uh, social uh, norm that has been passed down through generations. But now we are designing a new um, a new bill that will uh, require that has requirement to be relevant for the next uh, more than 10 uh, to 20 years. So I think that is just one of the, the element. And of course, from the tobacco uh, control perspective, Indonesia is already um, one of the highest ca uh, countries uh, not with regard to the number of smokers. So um, how to prevent um, smoking uh, to be da uh, going down from uh, in age uh, young smokers, which con this is uh, um, a circle which relates to one another. We cannot just say, okay, we are uh, now talking only about sexual and reproductive health and 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 uh, the the consequences. All issues under the health issues are interrelated with one another, um, and each of them have health consequences. So. I think first and foremost, fundamental thinking, the the rational in thinking about this draft law needs to be revisited, uh, and and then we CSD uh, um, give our input based on that uh, uh, on that that um, revision of rationale that should be uh, included uh, from the very beginning in the draft law. Um, so that's why we are very uh, passionate about it. But also I note Mbak Ignas' point about um, how how difficult it is for us as a health, as health uh, civil society organizations to get the public moving um, and input on this draft law because uh, we need inputs from outside of health. Um, and and it's uh, we need also um, um, ownership from the, the general public uh, to for this draft law, so it's not um, only us. We would invite everyone uh, to join in and and um, make use of this time to in, to give input to the draft law. Yeah, um, it's a very. I mean, it's it's a very. You know, um, as as you mentioned, a lot of a lot of these different things uh, connect with with one another. Not only in the in the health, not only in the health. You know, not necessary industry but like the health uh, topics but also as asma igna has mentioned about you know how to synchronize this how to harmonize this with like uh laws and perspectives on like um yeah uh, the criminal code and then you know sexual violence how we view all those things it also reminded me of um don't quote me on this but uh you know it talking about the pandemic people lose their jobs but also um there's been an increase that uh, i've heard uh, on cases of domestic uh, domestic violence and then that might lead to you know uh needs for abortion and also sexual and reproductive health all of all of those things are uh, essentially connected um so let's 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 talk about that uh you you did mention earlier about you know this need for harmonizing or like synchronizing all of these uh, all of these perspectives um do you, yeah, could you maybe elaborate on that point a little more and like what what are the risks involved, but also how do you foresee this um, concretely being synchronized? Because these will be like different bills, right? Um, maybe you can elaborate on that a bit? Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, especially like in the current um, health law uh, that existed, um, 
regarding the uh, abortion, there is two exceptions, which is for um, medical indication and also um, for uh, the pregnancy due to rape. And for the pregnancy, uh, because of rape, the limitation is six weeks. Uh, but then um, in the in our newest penal code, uh, it's increased. Uh, I mean, like the exception getting a bit a bit broader, um, which is for uh, medical indication, uh, pregnancy because of rape, and also uh, pregnancy because of other sexual violence that may um, end it uh, as a pregnancy, for instance, forced marriage or sexual slavery. So not only for uh, rape. And that, that's good, we, uh, we are thinking, because like it's getting a bit broader. Um, and also, uh, the penal code itself stated um, that the limitation for the pregnancy because of rape and because of other sexual violence is up to 14 weeks, um, which is uh, which is good and it's based on the WHO uh, newest guideline in 2022. So we want to um, ensure that what's already uh, ruled in the penal code uh, will be in line or harmonized within the health law. And um, we are seeing this uh, good intention from the MOH, uh, which in their newest list of issues that has been submitted to the uh, parliament, uh, they already harmonize uh, each articles regarding abortion uh, with the penal code itself. Thank you for the uh, for, for the explanation on that um i wanted to ask though in in, in current maybe maybe this is more for media right um there's lots of like criminalization of abortion going on right now especially i mean uh yeah there we hope there will be less of that especially because of the whole um you know expanding the definition expanding the uh the people the legality of abortion itself but uh but yeah I, how do you see the um, this criminalization of the uh, abortion providers and how do you think this impacts uh, health workers in general in the uh, yeah not not the ones receiving uh, the services of abortion but the one the one performing and the one uh, yeah the healthcare workers themselves how does this affect them okay I think first um, we have to understand that we do not rule for exception. I think that's the fundamental um, formula. When you set up a regulation, you do not rule for exception. So what is, what are the exceptions? The exceptions are um, the true criminal cases, right? There are, we have to admit, there are criminals, there are criminal acts which um, relate to sexual reproductive health issues. However, when we talk about draft law, we are passing a bill on health, um, we have to also bear in mind that the process in which we are setting up that law must be solely on the basis of health, solely. So we have to rule, if we stand on the perspective of the use the head of health workers. They take an oath to ensure safety for their patients, to uphold lives, to um, save lives. Um, so I think 
it's wrong when you approach it from different angle that you think oh every abortion is criminal no if abortion a lot of time majority of abortion are really health issues we we think that abortion is criminal because that's what we see in the media that's the bias uh so if baikna quoted who the the standpoint of a who guideline is always pro health for health so i think if we if indonesia is doing a draft law on health then it should firmly stand on pro health so that's the fundamental um the impact if the the criminalization of this the wrong approach for this abortion issue will impact um greatly on health workforce why because they will bear the brunt make of making decisions at um clinical decisions that they have to make which will if they make safe or not safe the people's lives so we have to know for sure every decision that health worker make is to save lives no doubt there is no not a single health worker that is not going to save lives that's the majority why i say that because again my first point we do not rule for exception this law should think about um the the process by which health workers make that decision so criminalization of health workforce as a default will impact the will impact how they make their decisions how they um decide a cl- make a clinical decision uh, at 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 um at clinic uh, as as they deliver service so um we must not do that because if we do that then we in the end we cannot we we will never achieve um the sdgs we will never save lives of mothers we will never save lives of um, newborns so that's the very far end but um it will take the toll on health uh, workforce because then trust is being taken from them as if they are not saving lives as if they do not have that in their mind they take an oath so i think we have to make that um um at the forefront of this uh, health law um and in the end if health workers are are not enabled to be to able, are not enabled to deliver and make decisions to save lives then the public the public will bear the consequences mothers who needed to who actually needed uh, abortion based on health issues are not being given that um plus i think if we want to go uh, further every woman should be able to make decisions on her body on her own i think that's the the very fundamental rights that's the rights base uh, and i think that's also the perspective of a who guideline so i think this discussion needs still to be made um um between um religious leaders social activists 
uh, health, public health activists, um, parliamentarians, just to make sure that everyone is being heard. Um, and, and that, again, why? Because we want a draft law that is relevant for 20, 30 years in the future, relevant in public health and in medical services perspective. So this has to um, accommodate uh, a very wide um, variety of uh, possibilities that will happen. So that's why I think that discussion and also the, the complexities within it must be addressed uh, and discussed right now. Yeah, um, it's a very um, crucial point there, but that we need to... Uh, obviously, you know, we need to look at it from a health perspective, but also uh, take as uh, as a basis the the notion that you know my body, my choice, as as you as you mentioned, right? But then there's like um, involving a lot of people, involving a lot of parties. There, um, you can't deny that you know maybe like some parties are still would still really approach this issue in a very moralistic sense, while other parties, because you know. Uh, health and gender perspectives isn't exactly the default for like a lot of people unfortunately for for a lot of people so like um by involving uh, multiple parties here while it is important do you foresee like i don't know a, a clash of values between between the parties involved for example um yeah Madia, uh, Madia or if Maikna has any thoughts on this also um yeah feel free yeah perhaps if i may uh, continue on that uh, line of thought um, of course there will be clash. We are in a discussion and it's okay to clash as long as we, I think when we are discussing a draft law, we just have to remain steadfast by the facts, by data, by evidence, right? So that that, leg, that, that legal bill which will be passed are solely based on evidence. Of course, with the diversity of Indonesia, there will be, like you said, persons or groups which come solely from moralistic perspective. And that's okay. There are groups who come solely from scientific perspective. The discussion will then measure, will be able to measure where is the where is Indonesia? What do we foresee for Indonesia in the future? Um, and, and I think we should not avoid confrontation. We should not avoid clash as long as we start from, we all of us agree that what we are discussing is not about, it's not questioning your moral value. It's not judging anyone's moral value. It's making a... a a boundary for Indonesia's public health and health development. So we discuss all the possibilities possible, whether it's from moral perspective, whether from scientific perspective, whether from um, social perspective, but based on evidence. Moral, moral um, issues have evidence too. And, and we, can, uh, we can discuss that with uh, cool heads, I think, and and we should not shy away from um, having a heated discussion because what because all of us know that what we are discussing is for the good of the people. So I think those who bear the responsibilities of being in the parliaments as um, 
the amplifiers of people's voice uh, and those who are in um, as, as public policy experts or public policy makers, I think needs to stand by, um, stand objectively and not let our personal bias get into the discussion. This is just, this is a discussion to determine what will be best for public health in the future in Indonesia. Uh, I think, of course, there will be clash. And, and it's difficult to separate state and religion. We all know in any country that's difficult. So um, let's just um, approach it from a uh, um, policy perspective, if I may say that. Uh, and of course, from what will be best for public health. Okay, uh, um, I want to hear from Igna first. What are your thoughts on these on these potential and yeah, clashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also echoing what Mbak Dia already mentioned, uh, which is we should see abortion as a public health matters. Uh, and ideally, abortion service would be seen as a medical choice, medical needs, medical action, not a criminal act. But because it's still categorized as a crime and um, in the current law, there is no appointment from the MOH for the health facility that can give the service. The health workers are reluctant to provide the services to women. And in the end, women cannot get the service and they try unsafe methods. Uh, sometimes they end up um, dying. And in the end of the day, it increased the maternal mortality rate. So. We hope and we aim for a world where every every pregnancy is wanted, so it should be uh, a choice. And as matters of classes um, and morality, religion norms, social norms, or whatsoever, um, I think it will always be there uh, in every step of our life, whether when the policymakers create policy um, and any other things. But yeah, we even though um, there is a different opinion based on the religion value or maybe the norms, um, we need to be, what is it, uh, objective to see something. For instance, um, when we talk about abortion, um in reality uh, nowadays um when a service providers um, object to give you not even abortion but contraception for instance um, they instead will give you an advice uh while in reality they should give you a referral to other health health uh, service provider that will give them uh, give them the service and uh, in the latest list of issue from the MOH, uh, the religious norms are no longer included in the abortion articles, even though they are still written in other articles related to reproductive health or family planning. But yeah, however, in reality, service providers uphold their moral value um, that are followed. And from several public discussions that are held by the MOH and also the hearings uh, that held by the uh, legislative, um, the health workers, 
mentioned uh, they're reluctant to provide service because it's conflicted with the religious value and the social norms. But yeah, even though like they are reluctant, uh, it is the reality. There is women, there is pregnant people that need the service, the abortion service, the contraception service. So it should be there because it's a public health matters. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, th- I think I think you touched upon a very important uh, point there. We, there should be space for personal beliefs if you don't want to do uh, certain things. But if this personal beliefs cause you to actually push for criminalization and just really block the services for other people who need it, that's where it becomes a problem, right? So I think, uh, you know, these these clashes of morality and stuff like that. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to impinge on people's personal beliefs if they don't if they don't want to do it. You know, as an individual, that's fine. But like, it's important to have access to have information on where people can actually choose to have um, legal and safe abortion uh, if and when they need it. I think I think that would sum up the uh, the approach here, the the, the proper approach that should, we should be pushing for. Um, so I guess I guess now we come we come to the tougher questions here. It's like, how do we make this come true, right? How do we keep pushing this? Because uh, as, as, as you mentioned there earlier, there's this window of opportunity that we really need to we really need to make use of uh, before before it's set in stone. While we still we can still give feedback to it, while we can still uh, gather together to actually talk about it, have this have these discussions. Okay, uh, how, what do we need to do? How do we make this come true? How do we push for our visions to come true with this really huge potential of the health bill? Yeah, uh, I think in, in my opinion, um, we need to keep. Uh, doing the advocacy works um, for this health bill. We need to do the hearings. We need to mainstreaming this issue um, to the publics. Uh, we need to conduct like press conference and invited the media, ask the media to write about um, the health bill based on our perspective. Because from what I saw uh, up to this day, most of the um, news or articles or the perspective regarding the health bill is still uh, on the side of the health workers. Well, I said in the beginning, um, this is, um, this health bill is, uh, will affect every people in Indonesia because it's related to health. So it's, um, so all of the, uh, all, uh, sorry, because uh, it's not the interest of the health workers only. It should be the interest of all the Indonesian people. Therefore, um, we need to understand what is inside this bill. I mean, we can raise um, a lot of public interest when we talk about the penal code, when we talk about the omnibus law regarding um, the job creation. So we need to create this public interest also regarding uh, the health bill because it will be our interest um what what we what we talk about today regarding the um, abortion regarding contraception um it's only a very small part of this uh, health bill there are so, so many things that uh, that will be rolled in this uh, also regarding the bpjs for instance and uh, many other things so it should be the interest uh, of the public so yeah we need to mainstreaming this uh, doing the hearings with the legislative with the ministry of health um, because i believe 
uh, this is one thing that quite effective. Um, why? Uh, because um, during the public hearings that are conducted by the uh, Ministry of Health on March, uh, they are gathered the input from the society and we saw some of um, the articles that become slightly better than the first version of for for, in, for instance let me uh, read it to you in the chapter on reproductive health article 39 um, the ministry of uh, health in the in their list of issue uh, that has been sent to the legislative met an alteration to the narrative which stated everyone has the right to live a reproductive and sexual life that is healthy safe and free from discrimination coercion and or violence by respecting noble values that do not demean human dignity so this means government intent to guarantee that the reproductive health services are for all and also another interesting uh, articles is from the contraception, the article 45. Um, the government also proposed a narrative. Family planning health efforts are carried out at the childbearing age and everyone has the right to have access to family planning services. So far, access to contraception uh, at health service has been limited. It's only for the married couple. So it is difficult for, for instance, for victim of sexual violence to get emergency contraception. So through, through these articles, if it's been passed and it uh, be the our current uh, our health law in the future, it means that the government is committed to ensuring access to contraceptive service, including for victims of sexual violence. So I think it's important for us to keep seeing how this law is progress and to uh, keep get, um, giving our feedback uh, for the legislative and also the ministry of health and also to raising um and to raising the um uh to the mainstreaming this issue in the public yeah uh maria what are your thoughts yeah i think um to add to that, um, what Maikna was saying, I think we have to understand and acknowledge that this draft law is huge in size. Uh, and there is no uh, single organization that will have expertise to tackle everything in the, in the draft law. Um, and that's why we need uh, all experts uh, on deck to, to uh, give inputs to push for room for inclusion and inputs. Um, that's um, right now, um, I think we have to note that there are uh, blocks in in this. So one in, in one area, the negotiation or the, the consultation is happening and inputs are being taken, uh, are, are being accommodated. However, in other areas, uh, inputs are not being taken uh, at all and uh, it's blocked. I think that's why, because it's so, so big. So, and then from that, we know that the stakeholders are um, uh, very diverse as well um, with different, um, with different, um, I think, perspective on things as well, uh, from the perspective of health workers, from the perspective of um, sexual and reproductive and gender issues, from the perspective of health system like CISD or tobacco control like CISD. So there are so many and so diverse. Um, we cannot do it alone, but I'm sure we can do it together. And advocacy efforts 
in in this in this type of um, uh, consultations on such being uh, giving input on such a, a, a huge document is not um, is far from uh, simple. It's very complicated, and uh, I think we should also between us um, ensure that we maintain good communications between all the organization and stakeholders involved, uh, while at the same time we ensure that all of us giving the public as well um, the information and the updates that the public need. Um, what I'm seeing um, in, the, in, the, in the demo from the health workforce a few days ago, what I'm seeing, the message is as well, uh, it's giving uh, input to the public, giving information, communicating to the public. Um, and the expression is through uh, a demonstration. But there can be other communication uh, expressed uh, with, uh, like by Igna said, uh, press conference, opinion pieces in, in newspaper, uh, interviews like this, or doing advocacy, uh, single advocacy to parliament and also to government. But I think what will be more uh, effective is we do joint advocacy to government and to parliament. So if only, I think the ideal if health workforce or professional organization, uh, organizations like CISD and like IPAS and other uh, like-minded organizations come together and do a joint advocacy to parliament and, and government, that will create the critical mass and the momentum to push. Um, and um, and do this um, uh, now since it's not being passed yet. Take this opportunity to do that to to join and to um, make a, a collaborative uh, effort instead of a single uh, advocacy uh, effort. Yeah, I think this leads nicely to probably the last question. Um, I I believe that like. I think a lot of the a lot of listeners of this of this podcast, uh, this is something new. Not not the issues themselves, but like uh, the the fact that this is crucial and it's happening right now. And I think uh, a lot of the listeners will also think like, okay, but like I'm not an expert. I'm I'm not joining any kind of like advocacy groups. I'm here listening to these issues, but these issues are important for me. So, right, what can uh, the listener do then uh, if if they if they're not joining like? Is there a way to to learn more or to share more about these issues? And how can the listener like monitor the progress of these issues? And how can the listener uh, support these advocacy uh, these advocacy efforts, advocacy attempts? Well, I think um, um, the listeners are the beneficiaries of this draft law, uh, which will be passed into law um, sometime. Uh, I think that's that will be in the future. Uh, one of the most plausible scenario is that we will have a new law on health. Um, so the listeners, I think, if I may uh, ask the listener to think that what do you want? How do you want health service delivery to look like or to be felt like for you um, as as the beneficiary of this, all this discussion about policy and regulation. Um, how do you, what will make you safe? 
what what will make you feel taken care of health wise if you access uh, health facilities um, if the pandemic happens again which will happen we don't know we just don't know when but will happen um, uh, how do you want yourself to be protected from that again what what do you what do you want your health ecosystem to look like and i think the the best outlet for the general public to do this is of course um organizations like CISD or ipas have have our um uh, social media outlets social media handles that can uh, be the the bridge uh, of of communication the platform of communication between the general public and uh, advocacy organizations like CISD and ipas uh, but also the general public have access to their whole to their own social media um, uh, handles as a person how do you want as as an individual how do you want health service to 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 look like for you i think we need that conversation to happen more in the public expressed by uh, by an individual instead of by an organization like chisti um, that will resound more to people in the parliament and also uh, to policymakers. Thank you. Um, Igna, what are your thoughts? I think uh, Mbak Dia already uh, talked about all of all of that nicely about what we what the public uh, can can do. Um, so yeah, in the upcoming weeks, uh, we we as in the coalition, uh, which is there is CISD, there is IPAS, there is also some other organization, will conduct several activities like press conference, um, release, uh, re- doing the uh, press release or and also doing a public discussion. And if you uh, can follow our um, social media handling, you can know more about the upcoming activities. And if you are interested in this, and I think you need to be interested in this because uh, this will be your interest because this is about health. Um, yeah, you can uh, follow us and uh, know more about Uh, what is the upcoming um, event or maybe campaign that you can contribute with so like yeah yeah you can share it to your family group whatsapp or you can share it in your own uh, media social so yeah make more people knows and aware about uh, this health bill it is important Okay, it's been a it's been an amazing discussion. Thank you so much for providing uh, your thoughts and your expertise on on this issue. And I agree that this is a very crucial one. While the window is still open, we need to push and really support uh, the this advocacy efforts. Thank you very much. And that wraps up our discussion with Dia Satyani Saminarsi and Ignacia Alpha Gloria. Joint advocacy efforts are crucial, but they could only gain momentum with the support of the wider public. Find resources and updates on the health bill by following their social media handles at CISDID and IPASID. That's C-I-S-D-I underscore I-D and I-A-P-S underscore I-D on Twitter and Instagram. Amplify the issues with your likes, reposts and retweets. Comment on the posts and threads, share the discussions with your circles, write about them, support the protests and help push for the advocacy efforts. There's still time for now, but there might not be in the near future.
My name is Bonibel Ramatan, and this has been Southeast Asia Dispatches, brought to you by New Narrative and produced by Dania Yudo. I'll see you around.